You're listening to episode number two of the Mind Body Academy podcast with Sarah Rose. This isn't an NBA. This is the NBA. This is the place for you to get coached and make health and happiness the business of how you get ahead in life. Coach, this is the startup of you. And now, your coach, Sarah Rose. Hello, hello. I'm so happy that you're here and that you want to listen to my podcast. Today, I have something really special prepared for you that I think a lot of you are needing to hear. And lately, it's something that I've been needing to remind myself of out loud. As you can probably hear, my voice has a nice, suave phone operator scratchiness to it because I'm sick (laughs) again. I've been sick quite a lot this past year, and over the last couple of days, it feels like someone's been taking a piece of sandpaper to the inside of my lungs every time I breathe, (laughs) and every time I cough, (laughs) it's like someone's running a demolition job inside of my body, I think. So that's how I was feeling over the weekend, completely demolished, until that got me curious, because I noticed myself thinking that there was something wrong with my body. And it was like as if this way of looking at my body, of it being sick, just all of a sudden came into conscious awareness. I noticed myself blaming my body and even wishing for some sort of a diagnosis, like an immune disorder that would explain how often I've been sick this year, which tallies up to about four months out of the year. So it's a lot. And now I'm sharing this with you because... So many of us are in such a hurry to change our bodies because we make our bodies the problem. When I was blaming my body, I felt like it was letting me down in some fundamental way, like it was betraying me. But then my friend called me out and said, well, have you been giving yourself actual rest? And I really had to take that in because... I felt like my body was letting me down and in a way that I didn't deserve to rest, that it just made it more urgent for me to push through the way that I was feeling. So even if I took rest, it was out of a sense of obligation without the full permission to rest, to actually give myself what I was needing in order to feel better, in order to not only feel better, but start doing better, um, not with regards to my health, but also in my my work, in my personal life, everything. And I can look back on the past year and see this pattern play itself out over and over again, where I'd been pushing through my body's warning signals and fueling my work from the energy of disappointment, which caused me to get worn down again and again because I was feeling let down by my body, so I wasn't prioritizing taking care of myself. And by extension, I wasn't taking care of my business. So nothing was getting taken care of because 
the consequence of believing that my body was the problem was that my health kept getting affected. And I share this insight with you so that you can see that when we put ourselves in antagonistic relationship to our bodies, when we make our bodies the problem, this stance towards ourselves generates a lot of punitive behaviors that perpetuate the problem across our entire lives and strengthen this perception that we have that there's something wrong with us or that there's something wrong with our bodies. And it's a habit to be dissociated from our bodies. I think the way author James Joyce put it in one of his books, he opened with, Mr. Duffy lived a short distance removed from his body. Just depicts the way most of us are living. There's this sense of floating above it, just thinking a lot, being in our minds, of our minds and bodies, rarely being at the same place at the same time. The body anchors us right here in the present moment and our senses in the breath, really contacting moment to moment what's going on right here. But it's the mind's impulse to eject us into the past, into the future. We're living really not right here. And you might experiment with this for yourself and just close your eyes for the next minute The only instruction is to stay in your body. So just closing down your eyes now. We're going to hold silence for just a minute with the only instruction for you to stay connected into your body, with the breath, with the senses. So were you able to stay? It's so easy to be pulled away by mental commentary, rememberings, a compelling storyline, all of our to-dos that are cropping up, to be pulled away by our thoughts. And for so many of us, the connection to our bodies is very unstable. In fact, it can be an experience that's altogether unfamiliar maybe numb or even topical just at the surface not a sense of really feeling the life that's right here from the inside out feeling into the aliveness that's here and you can begin to notice if there is any real sense of embodying this body the late great motivational speaker leo biscaglia once received a letter from a woman who opened with I was living with a stranger, and that stranger was me. I think it's such a beautiful way of conceiving it, 
And I think it speaks true for many of us. It's not our reflex to tend and befriend our own inner life. Instead, for many of us, when we first touch in, there's an immediate sense of judging something or something being wrong or the impulse to escape right away, especially when there's pain or discomfort. But what happens is that when we dissociate, when we leave our bodies, we don't trust ourselves because deep down in the sphere of our awareness, there's a sense of avoiding something. It's not that the pain or discomfort goes away. It actually tends to get compounded over time by neglect or the ways that the pain and discomfort end up getting acted out instead of processed. And I think that's especially true when we're sick, right? If we go back to my example, when I was believing that my body was the problem, I wasn't taking proper care of myself by not allowing myself to rest. So I kept getting sick over and over again which further strengthened my belief that there was something wrong with my body. So I felt really justified in believing that. And I think this also shows up and holds especially true for those among us who want to lose weight or change the way that they look. When most of my clients come to me, the underlying message that's been looping in the back of their minds for so long that they've become accustomed to it is that in some sense, they're out of control and that they need to be controlled and that they're not good enough the way that they are, right? That without the meal plan, that they're just going to be eating, eating, eating. They need to know exactly what to eat and when to eat and how much to eat. And it's like this static hum on a track that ends up distorting their entire experience of themselves. They aren't even aware And just like I wasn't aware of how my belief was perpetuating the problem. When I take on new clients who are looking to end their struggle with weight, the better part of our early work together is laying the foundation of a relationship to their bodies. When it comes to goals and aspirations related to body image, I have a very specific approach that focuses on the cause driving the weight gain. This removes the idea that they're out of control or that there's something wrong with them for not being able to follow through consistently on a nutrition or exercise plan. And maybe you've wondered this for yourself. Let me tell you, the cause of being overweight or not where you want to be in your body is not a matter of willpower or a lack of self-control or some character defect or anything to do with being weak, undisciplined, or lazy. It is your thinking that's creating your current result and your current capacity to love your body. Our thinking is what we use to fuel our results. If the emotional fuel you're relying on to go after your weight loss goals is a deep-seated sense of inadequacy or insecurity or lack, you're going to drain yourself very, very fast. You're going to feel depleted and deprived, and you will feel very justified in starting and stopping because you will be running on empty fuel. There will be this perpetual sense of hunger and you'll feel anxious most of the time because it will feel like driving on a freeway with a gas light on and no place to pull over. So our emotions and hunger end up taking on a quality of urgency 
And that's what creates patterns of disordered eating and crash dieting and punishing exerciser and exercise. Your physical and mental health will be affected. So it's your thinking that will tell me what kind of relationship you have with yourself. And that relationship will tell me what your current capacity to create a change is. And that's why if you want to make a change, we start there. That's so important because our emotions change. The way that we feel about ourselves changes. So loving our bodies is not something that we arrive at. It's not a result. It's a process. It's an intention with which we meet ourselves moment to moment. It's something we practice and get better at. Most of us aren't aware of the process we're using to produce our results. The tendency is to think we have to take more action or new action in order to change our results. But what's usually completely left out of the equation are the thoughts and emotions driving the actions. When we just change the action piece without consideration for what's currently fueling the action, it's like driving a car with the parking brake on. I don't know why I'm making all these car analogies. I don't even drive that often. (laughs) But you'll get yourself going. And it's not sustainable in the long run. So if you want a better result, you're going to have to learn how to watch your brain think. That is what I teach. And that's the first step towards learning to love your body. Awareness. It's not easy to recognize thinking without having practiced doing so. For the most part, people tend to think that they're experiencing reality when in actuality, what they're usually experiencing are their thoughts about reality. This is a really important distinction. For many of us, there's this very real sense that the way we perceive the world, the way that we're taking it in, is the way that the world is, is the way that we are, when in fact how we experience reality is always going to be determined by the thoughts that we have about our present reality. Now, you may remember from the earlier exercise or have discovered this if you've ever meditated before, that we have what is commonly called a monkey mind. And a monkey mind is a restless mind. When you begin to watch your mind, you'll be like, what the heck is going on in there? (laughs) Most of you are going to be overwhelmed by how many thoughts you're actually thinking. And this is not surprising. I think so many people who start to meditate think that they're horrible meditators when in fact it's the brain's natural state to have this kind of wilderness to it where just like the heart beats, the brain's job is to think thoughts. So you actually have about 65,000 thoughts a day. Most of us aren't aware of what we're thinking on a regular basis and how our thinking is determining what our results will be. Of all of those thoughts that you're having, the ones that are the most salient and significant are going to be the ones that are creating your results. So how you're thinking will tell you not only how you're feeling, but also why you're inspired to take action or not take action towards your goal. And that's what yields the results that you have now. 
the way that we think leads us to feel a certain way that in turn produces our action or inaction. And those patterns of action or inaction determine our results. Now, once you start to see this direct connection between your thoughts and your results, you'll start to see how it's the mental weight of an untrained mind that ends up making us stupid, sick, and slow. A lot of what we're thinking, we've thought so many times over and over, so much of the time, that those thoughts have become neural habits. So they come easily, they come unconsciously and automatically. They become habits of thinking, and since they're below the line of our awareness, they often hook us at the level of our identity. We don't even recognize them as thoughts anymore. They become who we are. They become how things are. And Tony Robbins talks a lot about how the strongest force in the human personality is the need to be consistent with how you define yourself. But if you remember from my previous podcast episode, many of us are defaulting to who we believe ourselves to be rather than deciding. And we're completely identified. We don't know how to go in and evaluate the thoughts that we're looped into when they feel true. We don't know how to question that and see if it's something that we want to continue thinking, if it's something that's serving us. So that's what we're going to do together. I'm going to teach you how to go in and question whether your thoughts are, are serving you. The first thing I'm going to have you do is answer this question. What do I think about my body? And then I want you to narrow that down to one sentence. What is it that you think about your body? What judgment or opinion do you have of yourself and your body? And that will be the one sentence that you'll hold on to and work with throughout this exercise. What you'll probably come up with is some version of a belief about something about your body being unacceptable. Let's say you're working with the thought, I hate my body. This might be an extreme example for some of you and for others. It might resonate as your truth. Now, I want you to ask yourself how you feel when you think the thought, I hate my body. Whatever sentence that you're working with. Notice the emotional state that that puts you in. Several emotions might come up, but I want you to pick the one that feels the most charged or real to you when you think that thought, okay? So now you will have pulled a thought about your body that's been running in the background of your mind and looped it to the forefront of your awareness so you can have a look at it and notice the impact that it's having on how you feel. Notice that it's not your body creating how you feel, it's how you're thinking about your body. How do we know that it's not your body creating how you feel? Because every single person's body does not produce that exact same feeling. People have vastly different experiences of their bodies. So our bodies, no matter what they look like or what condition they are in health-wise, are actually neutral. It's the thoughts we're having about our bodies that strain that relationship that add a layer of emotion on top of that that makes it pleasant or unpleasant. The next question I'll have you ask yourself is, what do you do 
or not do when you're believing that thought and feeling how you're feeling. So again, just using the statements that you're working with. Maybe that's, I hate my body. And maybe the feeling of that is sad. What do you do when you're feeling sad? What kind of action or inaction does it produce? I want you to start to recognize what kind of behaviors and actions your thoughts and emotions are fueling. Examples might include avoiding the gym, eating to feel better, restricting food intake and then immediately overeating, avoiding intimacy or exposure. What do you start to notice? What kind of behaviors arise from the way that you feel about your body? It's important that you see the connection here. By understanding this, you'll start to recognize why most attempts to change behaviors don't work. Most of us are trying to get ourselves to do something different without changing the way that we think and feel. We're trying to circumvent the cause of our behaviors because our behaviors are very clear, right? Overeating, not going to the gym, going to the gym. That seems like the source of the problem. But really, the underlying cause it's, is what's driving those things. And so you can start taking different actions, but if you've never done anything to address the reason that those behaviors are showing up, then you're, you're only really addressing the symptoms. I think for a lot of us, that's a big insight that weight is the manifestation of an internal issue. So the weight, physical weight, is not the problem itself. It's the symptom of something that's driving the weight gain. The revolution in my own personal relationship to my body came from understanding that at the deepest level, we are human beings who create our lives based on what we're thinking. The result that we have in our body, and I'm not just talking about the physical result, I'm talking about the relationship that we have to our bodies is the result of the way that we are thinking about our bodies. It's the internal charge with which we are relating to ourselves. Most of us are living at the effect of misguided thinking because we can't even recognize our capacity to choose our thoughts consciously. Many of us believe that thoughts just happen to us and that those thoughts can't be controlled. So what happens is we feel sorry for ourselves instead of changing what is changeable because we don't know how to question what feels true. We expect to feel better on the other side of a result. So we go at it backwards and try to change the result that we have in order to feel better and then beat ourselves up when we come up short of our expectations and desired results. Remember the feelings you have are going to determine the type and quality of actions you take. As one of my coaches and teachers, Brooke Castillo, says, what is fueling you will determine the result you're going to be able to sustain. And I want you to really think about how that could be true for you. What is the emotion fueling you right now? And what is the impact of that on your body, on your health, on your life, on you? Because the truth is that, yes, we can change the way our bodies look but only to a certain extent. 
no matter how much you change, there's going to come a point when you're going to run up against the recognition that this is the body you were born with. If you're waiting to accept yourself, to accept your body, once it looks like a different version of you, all you will have practiced is rejecting yourself. And that's what you'll get good at. You can't be fighting yourself and taking care of yourself. You'll end up rebelling against the very thing that you want. What's the point of achieving results if you have to hate yourself to maintain them? Happy, healthy, and beautiful look different on everybody and everybody. Success, hard-earned, sustainable success. And success being really your understanding of health, what health and happiness feel like in your body are always going to be the result of self-love, not self-hatred. That's where so many of us keep coming up short. We think we can hate ourselves into a better body, and that never works, at least not sustainably. And that's why there are people who model and compete in bikini competitions or fit the societal mold of what's commonly labeled as thin, and they still struggle with their weight. If you don't love and accept yourself as you create results for yourself, the underfoundation of your results will always feel unstable and shaky and whatever you will have created will feel completely out of whack with how you hoped it would make you feel. I want to be really clear that loving our bodies doesn't mean negative emotions will no longer come up. But it's important to understand what the constant is that will cut through all of that, which is why that change is important to you. Because I guarantee you're going to run into fear, you're going to run into doubt and worry. It's inevitable. You need to take time to figure out why you want to make a change in your body if you're going about making a change. Ask yourself where that desire to change is coming from. And the source of why we go after anything is always to feel better. So it's either to get out of a negative emotion or to move towards something even better, even more amazing. Figuring out your why is key to learning to live from the result that you want to create now. You have to align with yourself in that way with what you want. Why? Because our feelings drive our actions. So if you were to reverse engineer the result that you want to create, you'd have to tap into the way that you want to feel to be taking the kinds of actions that produce the result. It all comes down to this saying, when you change the way that you look at things, the things that you look at change. If you want to love your body, it's not about changing the way you look. It's about changing the way you look at yourself as you are right now. And does that mean we let loose and stop setting goals and challenging ourselves and stop caring about our bodies? No, of course not. (laughs) The only way for you to show up and be the best that you can be is by stopping to try and show up and be something or somebody that you're not. The exact opposite of inaction happens when we love and accept ourselves. Why? Because we take care of what we love. That's what it comes down to. 
care, compassion, determination, discipline, all of those emotions, all of those ways of being with ourselves arise spontaneously when we think loving thoughts about our bodies. Our minds are both the cause of all our suffering and the source of all our power and healing. It's so important for you to know this. Without doing the work on our thoughts, we bear the burdens of unregulated stress, fear-driven choices, disordered eating, disease, and dis-ease. When we live in this perpetual state of contraction, we disconnect from our bodies. We get sick, we gain weight, we make our bodies the problem. Our bodies are not the problem. I can't repeat that enough. Our bodies are not the problem. Our problem is that we're no longer living in our bodies. We're living in our minds. And because we aren't mindful of our minds and we're in antagonistic relationship to our bodies, we're cut off from our bodies. This chaos and conflict plays out across our entire lives. And let me tell you, I tried to hate myself hard enough to lose weight. I made my weight the reason I wasn't as happy or successful as I wanted to be. My weight became a false pretense for not showing up and getting the results that I wanted in my life. But deep down, I believed that if I lost the weight, those other problems would go away. Little did I know that it was my thinking and the way that I was thinking about my weight that was driving the weight gain and holding me back. That's what was weighing me down. When I did my mental push-ups and I lifted that mental weight, only then had I strengthened myself enough to change. So how do we develop that kind of strength? How do you love your body? One of the main components of love and self-love is attention. So that's why we start by developing some awareness. After becoming aware of where you are now in relationship to your body, when you truly understand your current thinking and that it's not working for you, the next step is to love your body on purpose. You love your body on purpose by thinking loving and protective thoughts. If you don't appreciate your body, it's really hard to treat it kindly. Many of us aren't practiced in doing this. Most of us pick ourselves apart and think horrible and destructive thoughts. So there's no rushing through this. You have to start where you are. One thing I invite you to do, and that I'll often do with clients, is to have you write down 25 things you appreciate about yourself or your body. The answers don't always come easy, because most of us are used to directing our appreciation outward, not inward, so it can feel a little awkward and uncomfortable. It's something that we have to learn. And if all that comes at first is that you have four limbs and a beating heart, we start there. We give it time. Keep asking yourself, what do I cherish about myself? Just let yourself sit with the question. Breathe into the question. Create more space around the question. And let your brain go to work on coming up with answers. What you direct your attention towards has the capacity to grow and develop. To think of love creates love. I think that's so interesting, right? That the things that we want are just a thought away. The experience of love 
is really on the other side of thinking a loving thought. And that's what happens with self-appreciation. That's what happens when you appreciate and acknowledge all the amazing things in yourself. They have the opportunity to develop. But most of us zero in on what we don't like. And then we get locked in and fixated and start to obsess over those things that we don't like and that we'd like to change. Everything good and wonderful gets pushed out of the picture. We fixate on what we don't like and obsess over trying to change those things. It's draining, deflating, and self-defeating. If you want to love your body, this exercise is so powerful so you can get practice directing your mental focus to those things that light you up about yourself. And you can catch yourself in the instant where you notice yourself taking jabs at yourself. You can be like, and just like karate chop block your own jabs. And boom, you list off as many things as you can that you cherish about yourself. And if only one thing comes, that's fine. Keep repeating it to yourself. You want to start disrupting those patterns. You want to stop punching yourself in the face. (laughs) That's the image that one of my teachers uses. Like, we don't even realize how we're doing this to ourselves. And so to just kind of gently put a, a pause to that by rebuffing with some kind attention, all of a sudden things start to settle. So I want you to bring into view all of those things that make you feel good that you aren't spending much time, if any, seeing. You get to decide what you focus on. You get to tell your mind what to think. Now, one thing that's important for you to know is that when you're directing your mind, you want to be directing it in a way to be telling yourself things that, number one, feel true, and number two, feel good. And that's the thing that sometimes gets glossed over with affirmations is if you're like throwing your fist in the air and yelling hoorah and all these statements like that you're the most beautiful wonderful person in the world and that just does not feel like the truth to you you're going to be magnifying the fact that you don't actually believe those things about yourself and you'll end up feeling worse so You want to be telling yourself things that feel true and that feel good. If you're trying to jump from my lumps and my rolls are repulsive to my lumps and my rolls are bootylicious perfection, you're probably going to feel a little ridiculous. (laughs) In fact, you'll, you'll definitely be feeling worse, right? Because you don't actually feel that way about yourself. So remember that loving yourself is a process just because you currently have a hard time believing that you're beautiful and worthy and wonderful doesn't mean you won't get there. You have to start where you are and move up the ladder. And that's why, you know, this serves as a daily practice to look for one new thing you can appreciate about yourself. And again, something that feels true and feels good every day to start to widen the lens through which you experience yourself in the world to begin to take in some of those things that are positive and wonderful and that can allow you to feel good about yourself. The more skillful you become at managing your mind, 
the more skillful you'll become at appreciating yourself. And the more that you do that, the more you'll take care of yourself. So again, it's not that the negative thoughts necessarily go away, especially right away, but we practice creating more space around them. And each time we create space, we invite something new to come in. And eventually there's so much space that we stop contracting around the thoughts that no longer serve us. We can witness them without getting sucked into them like a black hole. We have new habits of thinking that we can default to. What we can't see and what we don't know is so much bigger than we could ever realize, right? Even within ourselves, there's so much we don't know we don't know about ourselves. Like, have you ever had the experience of meeting someone who is just, well, it can go on either extreme. You know, sometimes you meet someone who is just entirely unpleasant, and that's putting it nicely, and they just have no clue about that, about themselves and how they're coming off. And on the other extreme, you have people that you meet who are like the most brilliant and beautiful people and, and they don't know that about themselves. Like you compliment them and it's like they don't know how to receive that because it doesn't feel true to them. And so this process of getting to know ourselves, of, you know, considering that they're so much that we can't see about ourselves and that we just have to practice getting to know in order to decide whether the way that we're looking at ourselves is currently serving us or not. And if you're looking at yourself in a light that doesn't feel good, then consider that that's not serving you. What's the upside? Most of us put our perceptual frame around our physical frame. And that feels so constraining. Within the big picture of your life, how much importance are you giving to your weight? And is it any wonder that you feel so squeezed and contracted and uncomfortable when you're limiting yourself by your physical weight, by the borders of your body? And I came across a picture recently that was captioned, your weight is not your life's purpose. It's crazy, but I think we actually need to remind ourselves of that. How big a piece is your weight in the frame of the vision that you have for yourself in your life? Are you directing your attention in proportion to that? And what's left if your weight is no longer an issue? Who would you be without the thought that your body should be different? These are questions worth sitting with and putting your mind to work on worth journaling doing this work is about getting to know yourself and it is going to introduce you to yourself so you can stop fixating on what you have to lose and start focusing on all you have to gain and what you stand to gain is a relationship with yourself the kind that you can count on to hold agreements when you tell yourself that you're going to set out and do something for yourself the kind that will have your back when you don't meet your expectations right away, that won't use the failures as excuses to quit on yourself, on what you were wanting, on your dreams. And I'm a big believer that the only way that we learn to meet our expectations is by failing to meet them. Yeah, that is actually how we get good at meeting them. 
so you don't get it right without getting it wrong at least some of the time. Many of us are way too afraid of the mess-ups and the slip-ups and the missed sessions at the gym, too afraid of how we'll beat ourselves up in our own minds if we fail to ever give what we want a real go. We make our failures mean that something has gone wrong or that there's something wrong with us or that our effort isn't worth it or that we'll never get to where we want to be. But those things are the very things that let us know that we're in our zone of growth and genius. That's where the biggest opportunities to learn and be transformed by what we're learning exist. To be transformed by our fears instead of being stopped by them. And if you can be present with yourself, even when there's all sorts of negative emotion, that's when you can start changing your body image. Whether that's a perceptual change or one that's accompanied by physical change. So when you feel yourself feeling negatively about your body or about yourself, understanding that the root of that feeling is the way that you're thinking is profoundly liberating. When you can name how you're feeling and then in that very moment of recognition, know that that's coming from the way that you're thinking about yourself. Everything has the power to change. And maybe the thought and the emotion doesn't change right away, but what changes is the awareness. And so it's a much more spacious experience of what's going on. It doesn't feel so stuck. Consciously designing your mental, emotional, and physical health is a beautiful thing. Your health gives you the experience of your aliveness. If you want to lose weight or change your physique, you have the green light to go about doing that. It's okay to want those things. Just know that you don't have to use hatred as motivation. It doesn't have to be such a punishing struggle. It doesn't have to be so hard. What I'm offering is another way to get there. And if you've tried all the ways in your mind, if you've tried all the fads and fixes out there, maybe it will be the way that actually gets you there. All I know is that hating myself only ever got me more of the same. Love has always been the way to actually get what I want. When I can care about myself and what I want enough to go about getting that for myself. And that means contending with some difficult emotion. That means being willing to fail and get back up and go again. So just remember, if you don't feel good making a change, you won't feel better on the other side of a change. Just think about all the goals you've achieved in your life. Did you ever permanently feel better once you achieved them? If so, we need to talk. (laughs) And if you hate your body, what's the point of trying to change it anyway? Why try? If you think it's because you'll love it when it looks different, pause and ask yourself if you can know that that's true without a single decimal point of doubt. And if that's what you believe, notice how you've been treating yourself when you think that. Many people loathe themselves and their bodies and expect that to teach them something about love. It never happens that way. The same way making more money doesn't guarantee you'll be happier. When we let our size rule our world instead of strength, mental, emotional, and physical strength, most of us become the smallest version of ourselves. We shrink and shrivel away from the opportunities to live fully 
into our potential. That perpetually puts our goals out of reach. Even if we achieve some of our goals, we feel small in the achievement of them because it's never enough to keep the good feelings going. You are not small. It's your thinking that's keeping you living as if you were small. We are all born with the same capacity to direct our minds in a way that feels good and loving. But just because we have the same capacity doesn't mean we all have the same level of skill. And it is a skill and it must be practiced. All right, that's what I have for you this week. Take care and remember to love yourself like your life depends on it because it does. Thanks for being an awesome listener of the Mind Body Academy podcast. If you're ready to redefine success to include health and happiness and live into a body, you capital L-O-V-E, then you need to join me in Think Yourself Slim. It's my one-on-one coaching program where you'll get the coaching you need to become a weight loss success story. Step into the vision that you have for your life over at mindbody.academy. Let's start a transformation today.